Many have depression. Many are students uh, from NYU who uh, have, have threatened suicide and are just overloaded with life and, and think that that might be a, a possible way out. And so um, many of my patients are younger and, and students. Um, and so we provide choice. We provide some positive psychology there. Um, it, dealing with their issues throughout the day, and yet they can come to the horticulture group and relax and talk, kind of open up a little bit. We don't delve into, you know, really hard issues, and it's, it's fun, you know, mm -hmm. so it improves the mood. The research shows that certain green surroundings help improve mood and also clear the mind a little bit, uh, cognitive restoration, as it's called, and uh, it's social as well, so you have a lot of nice banter and conversation and learning about plants, enabling people to be successful in their hobby pursuits. Welcome to the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis. I'm so honored to welcome Matthew Rakowski. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, thank well, you for inviting me. Well, thank you for taking some time. I know we've had a few hiccups with scheduling, and I, I appreciate your patience. And um, so you are a horticultural therapist, and that is a tongue twister for me for some reason. Um, and I discovered you by reading Summer Rain Oak's book, and I was so intrigued by just the whole process because I love nature myself. I love hiking and running and camping. Um, and I just had to reach out to you. So could you please explain to us what that is and how you became interested in it? Well, um, a horticultural therapist is somebody who uses nature and nature-based activities for um, therapeutic purposes. So generally speaking in the field, there's therapeutic horticulture, which is something that you know, a home owner or person may do on their own, but then when it gets elevated to horticultural therapy, then you're applying the clinical framework, uh, you know, to an individual and, and looking at significant um, issues to work with. It could be a number of things, whether it's physical, social, cognitive, or emotional, and um, basically activity therapy and the use of therapeutic use of self therapeutic aspects of the environment in terms of making it more um, more survival oriented, more biophilically oriented. And then again, the activity, which is the exercise, and it could be an exercise of body, mind, or emotion, hmm. spirit for that matter. So how did you become interested in horticultural therapy? Because that, that's always interesting to see how people end up in the specialty that they practice. Well, I, I grew up spending a lot of time in nature in the woods around Long Island where I live and was going into psychology as a uh, vocation. And uh, after college, before grad school, working with autistic adults and seeing how um, some of the guys I knew from the group homes reacted in the natural setting, in a greenhouse setting, and uh, seemed to be very soothing and calming. And I know that I enjoyed it and I find a lot of pleasure and, and you know, stress reduction out in nature, but I couldn't expect uh, everybody to, to feel the same. But it seems like there's some universal component to that. And with the right configuration of nature, so to speak, um, we achieve a, a calming and relaxing um, result from that. 
And uh, so then I found out there was a whole community of people doing horticultural therapy, American Horticultural Therapy Association. So I joined and I've, you know, been a member for uh, 30 years now. Oh, wow. So tell me what you mean by structuring the therapy. Like, what do you mean by structuring the environment or the therapy? Like, how do you even begin to you look at someone and say, okay, this is what I'm going to prescribe for them in the therapy realm. Can you explain a little bit how that, how your mind processes a first in interaction with someone? Well, I mean, it's like any kind of uh, clinical process or clinical meeting where you, uh, you know, you build some rapport, of course, and get to know why a person has come to see you. And then from the clinical standpoint, you do your assessment and you and you find out what relative strengths and weaknesses there are and what areas that uh, may be beneficial to be worked upon, uh, certainly driven by the client, but also by, uh, you know, clinical experience. Um, and then uh, goals are determined from that. And then activities determined to meet those goals. Sometimes one has to adapt the activities in order to, in rehabilitation, where I work, physical medicine and rehabilitation, um, sometimes you adapt the activities by making them a little more challenging and sometimes you make them a little more easy and you may offer some help so that person is enabled and they accomplish the task and they can meet their goals without being frustrated. I always try to make a person reach but not be frustrated and uh, certainly in, in physical rehabilitation that's an important component that um, results in better outcomes in the long run. And so then we look at the outcomes and we, we see, uh, is this person making progress in these areas? Do we have to change anything? Do we just continue to uh, go on because things are going well until whatever goals are met? Hmm. So what do you mean by, so we're set in a setting, so they're in a hospital setting. How do you bring, are you bringing plants? Are they planting? Is it just being surrounded by greenery? So what is that? What are the, the actual doing, what is the patient actually doing in relation to the horticultural therapy? Um, some years back, we had a wonderful greenhouse called the Glass Garden, which uh, Hurricane Sandy, uh, you know, put an end to. Um, but that was the setting in which we held our therapy. It was a small botanical garden, a greenhouse with all kinds of tropical plants, sensory-oriented plants, you know, basically like a small botanical garden you'd find anywhere, except that here is attached to a hospital and we would have patients come down from the floors to the greenhouse setting and do uh, gardening activities. Now, after the storm, we don't have the greenhouse anymore, but I go to patient rooms and to patient units. For instance, this morning, I go to a psychiatry, lock psychiatry acute care unit and uh, to an art room and we have a, uh, you know, a group usually ranges from five or six to nine or 10. And we discuss a range of house plants and then they pick something they like and we show them how to pot it up. And then uh, they get to keep that as a beginning or continuation of a hobby. And I like to, to think that it's um, somewhat of a, like a, a positive psychological approach. So I don't necessarily talk about the patient's issues there. Many have depression. Many are students uh, from NYU 
who uh, have have threatened suicide and are just overloaded with life and and think that that might be a, a possible way out. And so um, many of my patients are younger and, and students. Um, and so we provide choice. We provide some positive psychology there, um, in dealing with their issues throughout the day. And yet they can come to the horticulture group and relax and talk, kind of open up a little bit. We don't delve into, you know, really hard issues and it's, it's fun, you know, so it improves the mood. The research shows that certain green surroundings help improve mood and also clear the mind a little bit, uh, cognitive restoration as it's called. And uh, it's social as well. So you have a lot of nice banter and conversation and learning about plants, enabling people to be successful in their hobby pursuits. Um, so that's one program that I run. And then the, the afternoon is rehabilitation on a medically complex floor. So I'll work with people with cardiac issues or neuromuscular disorders. Um, and also, basically, there's other medical comorbidities with that, that they may have diabetes, they may have had an amputation, they may have had cancer and have gotten weakened from the treatments. So um, that floor is rehabilitation, strengthening up, learning how to walk with a physical therapist, getting dressed with the OTs. And then I reinforce a lot of that um, activity by giving practice. And then we have our separate sort of hobby issues with the horticultural activity. And, uh, you know, people, people enjoy it. They do. So when you go to a patient's room, what activities specifically do? Are they also potting and learning yes. or is it more learning? So it's the hand, it's the dexterity. Oh, yes. You know, fine motor skills, range of motion, strength, endurance are some of the physical qualities that we build on, especially in rehab when that's uh, people have lost a lot of those abilities. So I bring a cart. I bring a cart into the patient's room. We work on their tabletop and it's a similar program where I introduce a number of plants and you know some interesting stories about them like coffee for instance has a very interesting history and many of the other plants have you know long sociocultural histories with us as we've eaten them over the course of 10,000 or so years you know as farmers and uh, so we talk about these things and then again they pick and they pot up their plants and um you know, I worked with somebody, uh, you know, today um, who has some cognitive issues. And so sequencing and memory were the main goals of the session, where at the end of the session, we would ask, do you recall a few of the steps that you have? Did you uh, remember a couple of points about the plant? So, you know, it's it's memory, it's it's cognitive work, but using the plants as a subject material, so to speak. And, and meshing with the goals of the uh, rehab unit. Um, and, and that seems to uh, be you know, successful. That's really cool because if you think about it, it's also kind of distracting them, yet they're also working on goals and probably don't even realize what they're doing, that they're helping themselves. So that, that is really neat. That's an excellent point. And many people comment about the pain you know, they were in pain before and now they've been working on the plan for the past 20 minutes and they say, oh, I, you know, I didn't even think about it. So it's that distraction. It's a positive distraction that can dilute the experience of pain to a certain degree. So, yes, many of my patients benefit from the pain reduction and distraction. 
That is really cool. I have so many ideas. So after I interviewed Summer, um, Summer Rain, you know, she had included multiple stories, you know, little tidbits, um, patients, or not patients, but fans uh-huh. had been writing in to her and saying how their depression and their anxiety significantly improved. And this was a recurring theme. And I was like, that is utterly amazing. It's like, why hasn't that been introduced to like primary care doctors? Cause we see depression and anxiety and we have, you know, we, we see the onslaught of everything, yeah. all the chronic diseases. And, um, I was just so enthralled with the book, you know, how to make a plant. Like, and I was like, and that's when I was reading like, Oh my goodness, there's like a real therapy to this as well. So when a doctor, is it mostly like PMR docs or, you know, um, physiatrists that are ordering this for you? Or do you have others that are in like, let's say someone's in an acute floor, you know, recovering from pneumonia or something. Does other doctors also request therapy? Sometimes I'm called on in in that exact way that another therapist in another area has noticed, you know, a patient is an avid gardener or, or, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they comment about that they love nature. And so, you know, people know me in the hospital and they'll sometimes, you know, give me a ring email and say, hey, look, got this patient. Maybe you can come see him. Um, the other day, uh, I started a conversation with a nurse on the uh, uh, maternity ward. And so they have pre and postpartum folks who are anxious and they're worried, you know, for whatever reasons. So she was saying, well, you know, maybe we can do a pilot where you come up and, and we do some planting as a nice distraction, as an anxiety reducer, you know, and, and ease, ease people's transition through this experience. And so that'll be something that's coming up soon, I, I hope, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they could take home a baby and a plant. Yeah, baby <laughs> plant and a baby human. You know? Yeah, let's, let's see what they name them. That'd be and, fun. And they, and they raise them up together, and it's a nice thing, you know. Exactly. One wonderful thing is that sometimes I see patients over the course of time in on an epilepsy unit, and unfortunately also in the psychiatry unit, sometimes people will return but they say their plants they have their plants from years ago and they they give me the reports on how big they've gotten and and i I love that about that you know and and it's great to see that they've been successful you know it's it's, it takes a little bit of attention and nurturing to bring a plant along so if you could tend to a plant you could probably tend to yourself reasonably well or at least generalize that to a certain degree that that i have needs too that need to be met and i and i need to look after them so for some folks that becomes part of the therapeutic component in that and that's you know that was kind of the um things that really stood out on those those letters from some Rain's folks that wrote into her her fans was that you know i she was like you know, a recurring theme would be they felt like they couldn't get out of bed because they were so depressed or whatever, but then they saw their plants and like, oh, my plants need me. And it pulled them into activity and out of the depression, which was, I find so fascinating. Um, And, um, you know, I I really like the idea of your students. Uh, My daughter's a a third year medical student and student medical students are renowned stress basket cases. (laughs) And, uh, so I talked to her about this and was and speaking to her about you and in Summerine's book and stuff. And so she started plants. I've bought plants as well since then, um, since we've moved in. I've just adore them. And so as far as let's say there are students who are stressed and, you know, they can't necessarily come to your group or anything in New York. What can they do at home, um, you know, 
with your wisdom, what, how should they start? Well, you want to have a little, you know, what I would suggest is a small grouping of plants that's sort of uh, away from the workspace, like in a way, almost like an altar to a certain extent, but it can be just a decorated windowsill where you could go and tend to your plants on occasion. The this, this studies show that, uh, you know, 15 minutes of, say, focusing on, on the plants, you get a sense of what's called being away, which uh, is one of the components of cognitive restoration. So by taking mini breaks, when the stress starts to build up, when, when you're starting to read the same page over again on your, on your textbooks or your articles, and it's time to take a break, well, a break in nature, either outside, you can do this as well, take a, a short walk around, around the house and maybe into your garden that you've made that's a little extra special general nature is good but if you enhance general nature with plants that have special meaning and have special sensory components you maximize the effect so that you you get drawn into the plant thinking i got that plant from grandma i remember when we went out and, and got that plant what a great day we had and now i'm looking at the plant remembering that and it takes me away from my current you know issues and current stressors and gives the mind a little bit of time to settle and relax and then you go back to your work a little refreshed mm -hmm. so in that sense the cognitive restoration is a good component to add especially in 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 a highly stressful environment where you need periodic restoration to kind of keep your mind at operating at the best level and then there's the um psychoevolutionary consideration which is more the mood so that's going to lower anxiety and in improve your mood and that's being amongst nature settings that are biophilic meaning that they have elements that support our survival uh, food flowers you know flowers are the main thing and and we smile when we receive flowers not because of the sentiment but more so because it's a promise of food from Thousands and thousands of generations, when we see flowers, we know what comes next. And we know that, yeah. So when you give somebody flowers, you're offering them care and nourishment and food, as well as that sentiment. So by having these biophilic elements in your garden, you know, flowers, food, sensory plants that you can scratch and sniff, or flowers to smell, or beautiful leaves that you can get lost in the patterns. Um, these things remind us of safety, um, you know, and, and can also help improve mood and lower anxiety. So, you know, there's a two-pronged approach to that, the, the psychoevolutionary emotional and the cognitive restoration, which is more of a mental a cognitive uh, benefit. I see so many applications. So I was in the military and I think, you know, working with vets like at the VA would be an incredible benefit as well. Looking at that stress, traumatic yeah. brain injury. Have yeah. you done work with vets? Well, vets are, are, are where horticultural therapy got its clinical start um, after World War One, and then after World War II with the vets coming back. That's when people started applying horticulture in terms of uh, in, in a clinical sense. Dr. Rusk, who the Rusk Institute of Rehabilitation is named after, he, you know, he was a big proponent of the greenhouse and, and you know, he wanted a greenhouse on in his hospital, but he worked with veterans 
It was a shame. He would see people who have lost an arm or a leg and they aren't doing anything with their lives. They're in the vet center, depressed and wasting away. And he's like, no, you know, this person can do things. They can live a, a good life. You know, even though they, they have significant challenges, you can still enjoy the company of others. You can enjoy beauty. You can do things in life, whatever your abilities allow, but you can still accomplish things. And so that was his um, impetus to sort of develop rehabilitation. And, um, you know, so, uh, veterans, uh, really kind of sparked a lot of the field as it, as it exists today. That's and I'm going to, um, possibly going to Iraq next year to work with, um, uh, uh trauma victims and refugees. Oh, wow. So a lot of like the PTSD, and, and stress reduction will be very important in, in that setting. Um, so I'm looking forward to that uh, potential next year. We're setting it up right now. Well, if you go, please, I would love to interview you when you get back. I think sure. that's incredible. I was stationed and I got deployed to the Middle East, so I, I kind of understand. Uh-huh. And um, as far as, you know, I... I'm thinking maybe an ER waiting room, you know, calming people there. I mean, there's so many potential spaces to use this. Is there any chance that you might get your greenhouse back? No, no chance with that. There's a new hospital in its place. Oh. And a new state-of-the-art hospital that they... They've used the grounds for that as well as other. They took down the old Rust building and the greenhouse. Oh, wow. So oh, this wow. brand new single room, beautiful floor to ceiling windows with views of New York City. It's a gorgeous, uh, you know, hospital. But um, wow. they have a garden terrace, but it's not a horticultural therapy garden. So I it's, see. It's a visiting garden. So a therapy garden is a little different in terms that you have elements that help you achieve uh, your therapeutic means in there. Mm. So I have it set up in certain ways that uh, have uh, more impact than just a, a visually pleasing garden. I see. And have you ever heard of the Rodell Institute? Rodell? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've read organic gardening since when I first started. I, you know, I'm an organic gardener forever. I believe in that. And I, you know, I, I, I have read a lot of the, uh, the books from there and, and, you know, subscribed to organic gardening for many years. Yeah. So I interviewed um, Jeff Ketch, who's their chief impact officer who works. Um, I met him um, in September and um, I interviewed him uh, just a few weeks ago or last week, actually. And it was really cool because they have also a vet program in bringing in people and helping them become organic farmers and things like that. And they're also doing um, they're launching um, their regenerative um, health Institute, which uh-huh. is incorporating soil health and doctors and learning the importance of just the soil health and growing our food. But what a cool thing would be to add that element of horticultural therapy as well, because they're also working with the hospital near them in Pennsylvania, where really? they actually, yeah, they have a um, organic farming can like a whole organic form attached to the, in the hospital grounds and they, yeah. all that food goes to the patients. What right. a great way you could move patients out to, you know, the part of them actual planting. And I don't know if they have that element, but I know they're, some of their residents are training in the gardens and the, in the farm. I mean, what a great opportunity to do that too. Maybe I could connect you two. I think you might have a lot to talk about, yeah. actually. Um, let me yeah. do that. He's a really nice man. Um, 
Okay, cool. You mentioned emergency rooms before. Yeah. Now, in the hospital setting, there's lots of um, places where plants are prohibited due to infection concerns or equipment needs and such. Right. So what... With the waiting what, room. Yeah. Well, what we're doing in those situations, um, we're looking at the uh, nature imagery, you know, biophilic nature imagery. So it's not quite the real thing, but the literature shows that it's almost as good as the real thing. So instead of having a blank wall, you know, you have a beautiful forest picture. And uh, I've just finished a study concerning the nature imagery in hospital rooms. And so the, in the rehabilitation rooms, which are very kind of stark, they're clean, they're neat, but stark. And we put nature uh, imagery posters up and, and a, a bed curtain. And so we got significant results in terms of many uh, aspects of patient satisfaction. So um, when the real thing can't be used, um, nature imagery can often be helpful. You know, I prefer the real thing, of course, but in certain situations, it just can't be applied. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about the post-recovery after surgeries and things like that. Those are highly stressful situations. And like you were saying in the maternity ward, <laughs> there's so many places yeah. in the hospital. Well, even in a, in our regular physician's office, I always enjoyed, you know, as you know, as a student, when I was a medical student 100 years ago, you'd go to certain offices and they were like white walls. But those yeah. who had like even, you know, nature pictures or pictures of their, you know, interests and hobbies, those were so much more appealing and calming because you almost feel more human. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yes, you're engaged in that and, and you, you trust the, 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 the doctor more because he's more human in that respect, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I, I know our dental dentist, that would be a great place for nature. Uh, studies have been done with aquariums, really? you know, and oh. they, they, they would put an aquarium in there and, and then, you know, ask people, you know, I forgot what the questionnaire was. And then they take the aquarium out and they do the same thing. And they found the aquarium uh, eased anxiety uh, a lot, as well as a couple other things. So, wow. uh, yeah, and, and certainly in waiting areas, um, that's, you know, when you're nervous about what's going to happen, you know, that stuff can easily put your mind, you know, take the edge off. So, yes, certainly many applications in, in those areas, waiting as well as treatment, you know, procedure rooms, you know, where somebody's going to get a needle or something that's like uncomfortable, you know, to have a, a focus. There's been a number of studies on nature distraction in those situations. Bronchoscopy was one of them. Um, and, people recovering from uh, hemorrhoid surgery in, in a hospital room with nature imagery and plants. And, and there's been a, a number of, of studies exemplifying those ideas. Absolutely. And it's curious. Um, I know you had uh, one of your articles was about um, horticulture therapy in cardiac patients or heart yes. rates or something. Can you tell us yeah. what yeah. that, what did you find there? Well, we, we had um, uh, um, the horticultural therapy program where the cardiac rehab patients would come down to the greenhouse. We would do uh, an interpretive plant tour, uh, emphasizing sensory interest and survival. So I'm hoping that people think, oh, the plants survive in this way. How am I going to survive? What can I do to survive this you know, heavy thing in my life? And so we would do that and, and check out the different plant groupings and explore and answer questions. And then we would um, go into the therapy room right next to the greenhouse, which was used to be the orchid room, but we 
put a table in there and you could fit about eight people around. And we would talk about um, what you can do when you go home to further your rehabilitation and using nature as a way to further that walking, right? Building aerobic capacity so that you have your walking in around your house, around your apartment building, around your neighborhood as you build up, um, you know, going to the park to do your walk so that you can rest and like help your heart rate come down more quickly. Um, good diet, right? Healthy eating is a, is a key feature with cardiovascular health. Managing stress, and that's another thing that the nature provides. So we would talk about those things, and then they would make a plant. They would propagate a plant to to take home, and so uh, and that would be the program. And so that group of folks were compared to a, another group of of patients who just did a different patient education lecture. And um, the main outcome was um, uh, blood pressure and, I mean, heart rate and a POMS test, which is profile of mood states. So the cardiac, uh, the, the horticulture therapy group compared to the control group had less agitation on the POMS scale and a significant decrease as well in uh, heart rate. So uh, indicating a stress-reducing response. So, um, you know, that was a, a nice study. And the patients would come back to the unit, and they'd be all mellow and kind of smiley. And the doctor said, hey, what's going on down there? <laughs> and we're going to take a better look at this. And, and we did. And that's what came out of it. Because, you know, it's amazing because um, heart attack patients actually have higher risk of depression. So. Certainly. Um, what a great way to help get them started. And of course, I, I only eat plants because I'm, I'm plant-based. Plant and I will tell you, um, in the last eight years since I've been um, vegan, enjoy cooking. I've always enjoyed cooking. But this is the colors, and it's so much yeah. fun, and the flavors. is It's a different experience um, than, you know, cooking this regular regular, you know, other food. Um, yeah. And it's enjoyable, like, you know, a huge salad, it has all the colors, and you're yeah. looking at the greens and the reds and um, colors are good textures. Thing, right? <laughs> it is the phytonutrients that yeah. you know, we have that vision for a reason. And which brings me to a question I had thought of was, what about those who are visually impaired? Um, how do you bring this to someone like that who can't maybe appreciate the colors and the textures from the visual component? How do you help those? Well, we, we have touch and we have scent. So we orient somebody at the workspace and, and they'll be handed the plants and we'll choose plants that are maybe a little more touchy-feely sensory oriented, you know, maybe herbs with fragrance or other kinds of fragrant leaved plants. And, and so they tend to work well. And, and then we just orient using, you know, sort of a clock system and People who cannot see anything at all are able to plant like that, just like they would at home making a meal. You get used to your setup and everything's in the same place and you know what's here and there and you know how to put it together to complete what you're doing. So many people over the years have planted with, with visual difficulties. Wow. So you basically, you said in a clock, so you're, you have them say, okay, this is at two o'clock, this is at four o'clock, here's this and that. Yeah, exactly. You know, or I'm going to hand you this now or whatever it is so that they know that something's coming in their hand and uh, they're ready for that. And, uh, 
yeah, it orients somebody and allows somebody to complete a task that otherwise, you know, may be a bit difficult. And, you know, you got to use all your senses. And if one of them's not there, you know, that's okay. You know, you can you work around it as best you can, you know, and that's, that's life, right? Absolutely. So what is your favorite plants to work with patients with? What have you found them be the most versatile and the most, uh, I would say, probably hardy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that says it right there. I, because the patients take home their plants, I tend to do a mix of hardy plants and then something exotic and interesting that, you know, may be a little more challenging to grow. Maybe they may lose it after a while, but they've, they've sort of like the coffee, you know, which is, which is pretty, pretty interesting. And, um, and so, you know, when you want to enable part of my therapy is enabling people to be successful so they get the culture and, and advice on how to care for that plant as well after they go home, not just in, in the hospital. That is really cool. So do you have um, any specific, like, let's say advice for the regular primary care doctor who's in a normal family practice and trauma medicine, you know, setting, I know they should be getting plants themselves, <laughs> physicians, um, which is another project of mine is wanting helping doctors get better. Um, but what would you suggest as how, how can we maybe prescribe this to our patients? Um, like, how would you recommend us? What would we say or what would we do? Well, for one, you know, the environment, your office will benefit from, from having some plants, makes it warmer, makes it cozier, reduces the stress and anxiety. And then in terms of prescribing nature activity and nature exposure. So what you can say is, you know, how are you doing with your exercise? How would you, th what would you think about taking a walk in the park? I'd like to write you a prescription. So three days a week, you take a half an hour walk in the park. And, and you're going to get your exercise. You're going to get some stress reduction and anxiety reduction. And then and, and that alone can be helpful for many medical conditions and, and general wellness. The garden and nature contribute to general human wellness in many ways and, and you know, can really set a good sort of foundation for the rest of uh, health and building, you know, building a healthy life. That's awesome. I almost feel like you need a prescription pad and say, okay, I'm going to prescribe you an herb garden and I'm going to prescribe you. Yeah, I've, I've read articles where physicians have done that. There's somebody really? in California who actually writes a prescription that you need to spend 15 minutes in the garden three times a week so that they, they you know, if you tell somebody, maybe they're, ah, he's just, you know, but if it's written down on a real script, then maybe it's followed better, you know? Yeah. No, I've actually made no, no kidding. Pinky promises with someone. Yes. <laughs> it's a hilarious story. And I, I was like, I need you to walk, start walking out and just to get walking. It wasn't necessarily in nature, but it just happened to be, and you're in Colorado. I mean, you have mountains and everything. There's lots of um, there's lots of nature. It's, it's <laughs> <behind> you. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was like, I was like, do you promise? She goes, well, I'll try. I was like, ah. I try is not enough. I said, I need you to promise me. I was like, will you break a pinky promise? And we did. And it's funny. We did that. And, you know, within a year, she's lost like 60 or 70 pounds. She was walking two or three miles. But it starts with, I agree, someone showing an interest in encouraging someone to do that. But do you also feel like the sounds of nature are so important too? Because I know that's part of the part I enjoy is getting away from the sound of civilization 
is do you ever play special music while you're in your therapies or is it just more just the sense and the smell and the touch well um you know being away in whatever sense it takes in working in the city um you you don't want the city sounds around so however you can mask them either through you know bird sounds we in the greenhouse we had many many birds and we played classical music so nature sounds are, you know, again, the literature shows that when you, you know, the, the sound, the scent and, and all of it together produces a, a greater effect. You know, the more sensory involvement, the more positive distraction, the more feeling away. And, and, and again, the greater effect with that. So it's good to incorporate those things. Sometimes when you're teaching, you know, like too much background sound can be uh interfering so you have to you know be careful about what you're you know what you're doing and 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 if the sound is going to interfere but in a general sense uh the more thorough and complete the natural environment is the more thorough and complete the effect will be in terms of restoration and relaxation it makes sense because i know um myself i sleep better when it's raining Yes. And, you know, there's, I have a little app when I can't sleep, which is not too often. And um, it was called this, it's like a little sleep owl, sleep pillow. And it has all these natural uh, sounds like thunderstorms yes. and ocean waves and birds chirping. Some of them are a little distracting. The jungle sounds made me a little nervous, but the, <laughs> the rest are okay. But um, what a great thing. And I'm, I'm assuming because people say they smell like they'll put lavender by their bed and they, the scent helps them rest and sleep. And is there any particular things that you found that helps people sleep? Cause I know that sleep is a big one for a lot of people. Well, you know, the lavender is a relaxing, you know, a sleep promoting scent, um, you know, an aromatherapy. Um, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that because in, in the experiment that I've done with the nature imagery, we started with a sound machine as well. The nature imagery, real plants and a sound machine. I checked out scent. I was going to put scent in there as well, but there were issues with the machine as a fire hazard because it uses a plug-in and, and they were really cautious. So that got, that got, got, you know, taken out. But then the sound machine with what, exactly what you say, they can pick a number of different sounds, but people took them home. You know, that's how much they liked them. So <laughs> that had to be eliminated from the experiment because I couldn't afford replacing them. That's the one it's needed. So they, you know, even I said, you know, this stays here. This is for the next patient. But sure enough, they were gone, you know. Oh, so like yeah. you say, you know, and, and the patients felt the same. You know, the sound was a, a broader sort of sensory immersion that was helpful for them in a hospital setting, made them feel at home or more comfortable. You know what I've done before is those scented soaps that are made. Um, my husband and I were in Washington State, and we were at in Bellevue at the Bellevue Gardens, yeah. there's Botanical Gardens, and mm -hmm. they had were selling these, and they were really strong. I said, "There's lavender, so we're gonna buy." these bars of soap and we opened them and put them by our bed and yeah. you could smell i mean and it stayed and you know for a long long time and um so that might be another option to bring in you know yeah. small soaps that smell like that i don't know we used to use um where i worked before um we did we use plant-based nutrition and we did um, therapy as well with patients and we had a diffuser that would do um different scents as well that have been shown to decrease stress and help. Yes. And 
I'm like, whatever we can do to put more power exactly. <laughs> in the court. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> sometimes we do, um, you know, crafts and we'll do lotions where they, you know, use essential oils to customize their own personal lotion. And, um, you know, the lavender is certainly amongst the, 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 uh, menu so to speak so Absolutely. But, they, but they get to pick what they like after sampling a bunch of different uh, you know scents and and so yeah it's, awesome. a, it's a, a nice component they they like that and that it's their is, own personal lotion you know it's it's a phenomenal thing and i you know i i think it's just really cool to see us one is a I think a world that we're we're understanding that the environment is such an important thing that we need to be protecting and not taking for granted and just using for our own benefits without understanding there's repercussions but just bringing it into patients who are sick I think that's just such a a really awesome element I wish I'd have known about 20 years ago when I started medicine but it's just it's such a cool it's just a really cool thing so Thank you. And do you have any last bit of advice? I know we're pushing our time limit here. Um, as far as uh, someone who's listening to this and going, wow, where do I even begin? Do they, should they go to their, their local greenhouse or should they look you up somewhere or read a book, an article? Um, well, um, biophilia concept, uh, you know, if you, if you Google that, you can learn a little bit about that. And then there's a book called the biophilia hypothesis, which gets into a little more detail, you know, American horticultural therapy association has some information on their website. If you wanted to, you know, explore a little further, but generally speaking, I would suggest spending time out in the, in the yard, in a park, in a mm -hmm. garden, um, you know, tend a few house plants, you know, experiment a little bit. You don't want to overburden yourself, you know, but, but try something and, and, uh, and you'll find that sometimes that's the doorway to, you know, get a little more comfortable with it. And, and, and um, you know, you can build on that if, it, if it's something that's of interest. It, it's nature. really fun. Nature, nature is, is very accessible in many ways. And, and it's, you know, it's disappearing quickly, but, but it's still there and, and we need to spend time with it. Yeah. Um, well, we need to stop that halt that disappearing, but um, bringing nature inside. And it's fun because I will share with you, I, I, I had a patient that was um, dealing with a lot of different things. And because of, you know, what I read in, in the summer's brain book and, in you know, your, especially your um, parts of it, I was like, okay, so I'm really going to try this. And she was really open to alternative type of solutions. And what we did is I said, I'm giving you a homework assignment. I want you to get a plant. <laughs> this is all I told her. And I want you to take care of it. And because she was really struggling with motivation and moving things and doing and getting. And next thing I know, probably three months later, she has, because we would do video texting and um, follow up. And she showed me on her seal. She started with one and then she had like 13 or 14 different plants and they worked amazing. And when I did meet her in person, um, because we were just doing telemedicine at the time, she actually brought me a plant. It's my favorite plant. It's the coolest little thing. And um, I was like, wow, it's so fun to see. And, you know, now she, part of a lot of our visits, we're just talking about, <laughs> her going to classes and learning different things and learning how to do bonsai. And I was like, this is turning wonderful. into a wonderful thing. So I, I think, you know, I'd encourage, I have a lot of doctors who listen to this that I would encourage them to, to open their mind to considering something like the work that you're doing. I'll put all these links too, and a link to your bio as well, obviously. And 
Um, we so appreciate your time. Nature is good medicine. <laughs> Nature is good medicine. And I think that's a great title for your podcast. <laughs> Nature is good medicine. Absolutely. So is there, um, again, thank you again for your time. And, and we do appreciate you. Okay, thank you very much. Best wishes in your, in your work.